Well, guys, if you didn't if you didn't miss college football during this all season or the COVID delay, then this weekend absolutely should have changed your mind. This weekend was full of breakout performances, upsets, and just amazing college football all around. And now the Blue Bloods are here to bring you all the information you need to wrap up an exciting weekend of just pure amazing college football. We're going to start with our pick six plus two games, which were arguably the best, most important games of the of the weekend. And then we're going to move on to breaking down some of the chaos or struggles that the top 25 teams face this week. We're going to have a full show today, guys. So let's go ahead, kick this one off. Week four delivered more than anybody could have ever asked for. And now we get to talk about all these amazing games here. In case you're new, we had pick six where we picked six of the best, most important matchups for the weekend, made our predictions. We picked two extra ones this weekend. So pick six plus two. And, you know, like Brandon said in our intro last episode, we converted the two point conversion and so did my Auburn Tigers on their first touchdown. But we'll get to that one. Brandon, let's go ahead and start with one of the biggest statements of the weekend down in Oxford, Mississippi, where the Florida Gators started their 2020 run with an impressive performance and win over Ole Miss. What were your thoughts on this game? And how about that? How about that kid, Kyle Trask, that everyone doubted? Look, Florida looked really good, obviously, but we all expected Florida to look really good. Uh, my main takeaway from this game is how good, I, I mean, honestly, how good Ole Miss looked. I mean, no one expected them to come out and play the way that they did this weekend. Elijah Moore was on fire all game long. John Rice Plumley looked amazing. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like we should definitely be praising Florida right now, but Ole Miss, I mean, they they played well. I mean, like I said, no one expected them to win, but they they played a lot better than I thought they would. A thousand percent. I mean, I thought they did really good for a first, for, not first year head coach, but a debut for a coach at a program that I would say, I mean, Brandon, I would say this program's faced a lot of scrutiny in the past, what, five, six years. I mean, they had lost of scholarships. They've lost players. They've lost a really good coach in Hugh Freeze. They've lost quarterbacks like Shea Patterson. I mean, but like you said, Elijah Moore, elite football man. I mean, 22.7 yards per catch. I thought Matt Corral looked much, much improved. I think he could be the best option for the quarterback at, at, for the Rebels. I don't know how you feel about that, but I think right. he offers more. Not only, I mean, he's not as fast. He doesn't have that 4-4 speed, but he's definitely the, mo- the more elite passing option for this offense compared to John Rice Plumley. No, absolutely. I mean, and, I, and while... I did want to talk about Ole Miss first. I feel like we should spend the rest of the segment on Florida because, good Lord, holy, this team looked good. Kyle Pitts Kyle and Kyle Pitts. Trask. The holy, holy crap. Listen, hashtag Kyle Trask for Hosman exploded onto the scene this weekend. He should be in the top five right now for that. I mean, and Kyle Pitts, Brandon, you know, we're going to talk about these two guys later, but De'Aaron King and Brevin Jordan thought they were the best QB tight end duo in in the country. I don't know if they're the best tight end QB duo in the state. 
Right. No, I mean, Kyle Pitts makes things just unfair. I mean, he brings he brings his offense to a whole new level. It, it's it's really absolutely ridiculous. I mean, eight catches, one, 170 yards, four touchdowns. And Brandon, you know, I know we talked about in our SEC preview about how he's a matchup nightmare. I don't. I think we could have. We might have even under like understated how valuable this kid is. I mean, who do you trust to guard someone with his size and his athleticism? Um, Derek Stingley, maybe. If he doesn't have the flu, <laughs> and, I, I, dude, <laughs> he's I mean, got it bad, man. Yeah, it's it's a bad weekend for him. But I mean, Brandon Trask over seventy percent completion percentage, four hundred and sixteen yards, six touchdowns. For me, Brandon, the things that stuck out to me, his accuracy, his explosiveness, and he just constantly created play after play. And last year, I don't know if you got this, Brandon, last year, he just didn't seem to be the true leader of Florida. I feel like LaMichael Piran and some other players more seem to lead that offense. But I don't think there's any doubt right now that he's the leader of this Georgia team. And Brandon, after this weekend, I don't think he left any doubt in anyone's mind outside of Starkville that he's the best quarterback in the SEC. Right. No, I mean, he he looked incredible. Um, and I'd take him uh, – uh, this is a very sensitive subject for me, Zach, but uh, <laughs> I'd take Kyle Trask over KJ Costello any day. I think there's a whole different conversation that we need to have. But Kyle yeah, Trask is incredible, man. We'll get there, but Brandon, the thing that kind of worries me—I mean, this—I don't—I couldn't really tell—is it the weird off season? What exactly is it? But this Florida defense didn't look as good as I thought they would. Um, you know, they did have some stars that played well. I mean, uh, Ventrell Miller at linebacker, fifteen total tackles, a sack, two tackles for loss. Britton Cox Jr. played great, had eight tackles, a sack, two and a half for loss. And then Kair Elam also had seven tackles in a pass breakup. But overall, as a unit, I felt like they, they left a lot to be desired, Brandon. No, they did. I mean, overall, they only had two passes defended uh, you know, on this whole team. So that, that's, that's a tough look. I mean, especially when we're sitting here hyping up this this secondary so much, like we have been all offseason. So I don't know, man. We. I don't. I don't want to downplay uh, the greatness of this defense at all because they. I mean, they are. They are really, really, really good, and they might be the best defense in the SEC. Or, but, but we just didn't really see that that uh, uh, that caliber of play out of them this weekend. No, and I think it had more to do with Matt Corral. I mean, go, like we're gonna shift back to Ole Miss real quick right before we move on. I mean, Brandon, I looked at his passing breakdown from Pro Football Focus. I mean across all the different zones, 20-plus yards down the field, he combined five for seven, 218 yards and a touchdown. Right. He's one of the highest-graded quarterbacks down the field over the middle, and that's a, that's something where I know we ranked almost very low in our preseason rankings, but Matt Corral brings a whole nother level of offense where we thought John Rice Plumley was going to get the start. We did, and, and it's crazy that he didn't, but you know, yeah, Matt Corral but, but he's. Good. He's not throwing 20-plus yards down the field, especially five for seven over the middle against a Florida defense. But, no. I mean, overall, Brandon, I think both teams perform well. I think the Gators are well on their way to compete for an SEC title, especially looking at some of the other performances of teams that we thought were going to compete with them. I think Ole Miss is rebuilding, but they have a lot of great pieces to build on, Brandon. You talk about Elijah Moore. You talk about Matt Corral. That defense has some players on it. they got to be more consistent. 
Uh, the Gators have to find more production in the run game. I was not impressed with the running back play. I thought they might have had some few options to replace Piron. Not super confident on that now. But Brandon, Florida moves on to face South Carolina next week. Ole Miss travels to Lexington to face the Kentucky Wildcats. But let's move to another another two teams in the state of Florida. In Florida State at number 12, Miami. 52 to 10 beat down by the Hurricanes. And Brandon, I want to start with this. I don't think this was surprising in the slightest because we have arguably, Brandon, I think you could say Miami's been the most impressive team of 2020 so far. And they were going up against the biggest disappointment in college football. And I tweeted this out after the game, Brandon, because I watched this entire game. Florida State really might not win a single game this year. And I'm so serious on this. Brandon, they have Jacksonville State next week, and I think Jacksonville State should be the favorite in that game. <laughs> Look, I, I, I'm I'm not trying to brag right now. I am six and zero in my in my gambling corner picks, so that's you know, pretty sick or whatever. Um, I might I might I might have to uh, choose Jacksonville State in that game. I might have to. I mean, I, I'm not saying that I'm going to make it happen, but I, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't make the rules. They have not released a spread last time I looked, so I'm not sure what it's going to be. But I would imagine it can't be over 14 for Florida State, right? Not you would hope not. <laughs> you would really, really, that's, hope that's, that. especially because Jacksonville State's the same team. They almost upset Auburn a few years back. They upset Ole Miss, I believe, and they're they always seem to be one or two plays away from upsetting these big teams. And I don't have any faith in Florida State to pull this out at not, not even. In the slightest, but Brandon, let's get to this game at hand. De'Aaron King, man, I don't think I'm running out of words to describe how good this guy's been playing. Well, the thing is, usually like, or I'm not going to say usually, but a lot of the time when you see these quarterbacks that, that are these dual threat guys, you know, they're really good at using their legs and then they can also, you know, they're decent at passing or they're they're a pretty good, they're a good passer, but they can also like surprise you with their legs. Derek King is great at both I mean he I I don't I don't know he doesn't really have that weakness he's he can I mean it's he's a true true dual threat quarterback and and emphasis on threat because he's he's going to take it to the house (laughs) most of the time as Baker Mayfield would say he's he woke up feeling dangerous and that's every single day I mean this dude almost 300 yards passing again he had he led the team in rushing with 65 yards he had two passing touchdowns he just has an outstanding ability to attack the entire field, Brandon. It keeps the defense guessing to where this offense is going to attack next. Rhett Lashley has been a godsend for this offense as the offensive coordinator. And Brandon, on passes between the numbers 10-plus yards downfield, he graded out at a 95 by Pro Football Focus. Yeah, He was 5 for 9, 100 yards and two touchdowns in that area last night. And being the leading rusher for the Hurricanes, Averaging over eight yards per carry shows how dynamic he could really be if these def- if, the, if the defense he's playing isn't disciplined, which don't even get me started on Florida State's defense. But, Brandon, I mean, Cameron Harris had an off night, and I was interested to see how King would respond with Harris not playing at his full potential. Well, Donald Chaney and Jalen Knighton still combined with Harris and King to get over 200 yards rushing and four touchdowns. That just shows – how deep this Miami team really is on offense. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, they looked incredible all night long. And that and the score indicates that. Fifty two to yes. fifty two to ten is that that should be illegal in a rivalry game. And this defense, man, this defense is a serious problem. And Brandon, this is gonna sound crazy. I think we're gonna talk about another team who has an argument to be up here too. 
I think this is a top. This could be arguably a top two defense in the ACC, right behind Clemson. This they got players everywhere. We're going to talk about another team, Pitt, who also has that argument. But Miami this this weekend, Brandon, six sacks by six different players. 13 tackles for loss and seven quarterback hurries, along with three interceptions by three different players. So it's not just one or two players dominating. The entire defense is dominating these in these games. Yeah. No, I mean, they, they look great. I mean, I'm not going to say this. This is like they're, they're like the strongest point of this team, but it's, I mean, it's definitely up there. I don't really see a weak part of this team. I mean, special teams, no. offense and defense are all incredible. And the kicker's honestly, a whole unit. Oh <laughs> the gosh, kicker's man. a unit. It's kind of scary, really. I mean, <laughs> you want, you don't want to run into that guy in the street is all I'm saying. No, and Brandon, this is going to – I just want a real quick, just a quick hypothetical before we get to the dumpster fire that is Florida State. How scary would this defense be with Gregory Rousseau? I don't want to talk about it. I don't I want to think nightmares. about it. I mean, this they're getting they're averaging like five sacks a game this year without their best player. Yeah, I mean I mean Jalen Phillips stepping up, uh Nesta Williams stepping up, uh Quincy Quincy Rose doesn't have to step up. We knew what he brought to it. But I mean, they're six, seven deep on the defensive line, making play after play. I mean, Jalen Phillips at DN had a tip one handed interception twenty yards in the backfield last night. Right. I mean, and then got crazy. kicked out of the game. <laughs> Get out and of here. He, yeah, he got two unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, one on a BS celebration with the chain, which I thought was ticky-tacky. But, you know, Brandon, we got to talk about Florida State. We've done it week after week. This is the biggest dumpster fire in college football, and I don't even think it's a debate anymore. I mean, Brandon, I'm gonna, I got some things where I saw – these are like three things that I think encompass Florida State. Undisciplined football. 12 penalties for 113 yards, Brandon. Yeah. Against a top 10 team. You thought you were going to win? I don't know how. I mean, and Brandon, we've seen over the past few years, I mean, dating back to even Jimbo Fisher's tenure, lack of discipline has hurt this team on and off the field consistently. It's every year. And then another thing, Brandon, I love this. I love the name of this one. Always potential, never production. Yeah. And, we talked about how they had a what a top ten ranked preseason defense in the country, but last night over five hundred total yards allowed. They had fifty two points scored on them, over two hundred yards rushing, three hundred yards passing, and Miami Brennan in the first half scored on every single drive. Yeah, I mean, they looked incredible. I don't know what else to say. No, and listen, we're going to end this off here. Y'all know who I'm about to address. He knows it's coming. Y'all know it's coming. Florida State knows it's coming. Can we please stop putting James Blackman in the game? Jesus Christ, this kid is garbage. They did try out other quarterbacks, which is 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 pretty refreshing. Worse. Well, and they but both backup quarterbacks threw interceptions. Am I right? Yeah, you're right. No touchdowns, two interceptions <laughs> between the two of them. I mean, are you kidding me? We got to witness another 29 QBR game. I mean, I guess we found out why James Blackman's playing. Apparently, they just don't have any quarterbacks who can play. I, listen, I think they should go the Kentucky route. Put a wide receiver back there and just run read options all game. That will get you more wins. It will. Or a triple option. Call up Army. Figure out how to do it. You got an inst- in-conference rival who beat you a couple weeks ago. Call Georgia Tech. They sh- I'm sure they got the, the, the playbooks back in the closet somewhere. I mean, Brandon, 120 passing yards, a touchdown and interception, while averaging 4.6 yards per pass. 
Right. Dude. It, and Brandon, I was looking at his passing breakdown at Pro Football Focus. He, they have projected NFL passer rating, which is on a different scale than the college. They only give him above a 100 in passer rating at the line of scrimmage between the numbers. So it's like screen dump offs. It's the only one he ranks decently at. And at that, at, at that, I guess level right at the line of scrimmage, he still only grades out as at, at a 68. That's insane. And it passes 10 plus yards down the field, Brandon. Blackman was one for 10, 15 yards in an interception. That's crazy. That worst in the country by far. This kid is horrible. And listen, I, I know some people are like, man, like you can't do it. Yeah, that's a fact, but I don't have a scholarship to Florida State to do this. I don't know. I feel like if it was just pass dump offs, I could probably do that. Like, also, I, probably a fact. Fully, also probably a fact. Fully confident. Fully <laughs> confident. I mean, it, enough on this, man. I don't want to beat Florida State up too bad. I've already had enough of them. I hope we never have to. Brady, can we make an agreement here? We're not going to cover Florida State anymore. I, it's so much fun, though. It's every single time that we That's do true. it, it's hilarious. It makes me laugh every single game. That's true. But, guys, Florida State, like I mentioned, hosts Jacksonville State next week in what I'm sure to be an upset watch potential game while Miami gets a bye week, Brandon, before heading on to take take on the Clemson Tigers in two weeks. That is going to be an outstanding game. And I, I don't know. I am more excited for that game than just about anything this year because that is going to be one hell of a game. And we're going to move on here to a game probably we're not going to spend too much time on, but it's number 22 Army at number 14 Cincinnati. Cincinnati came out with a 24-10 to 10 win over Army. So, Brandon, your thoughts on this game and the Bearcats? Um, I'll be honest with you, Zach. I didn't really get to watch this game. Uh, I, look, I looked at the stats afterward, but I don't know. I mean, I mean, Cincinnati looked good. I mean, I, I, I'm mad at you for tricking me into picking Army in this game. I'll say that. Uh, I mean, other than that, I mean, Army didn't look bad, though, did they? I, I mean, no, I they think- jumped out early with a defensive touchdown. They've, they've scored a defensive touchdown in every single game this year, which is great. But Cincinnati is just Cincinnati, man. I, I, I mean, what can you do against this team? And like I said, I can't speak too much on it because I didn't watch it. But but Cincinnati is apparently still pretty good. I mean, we I feel like we knew that from last season and they didn't really lose a whole lot. So, yeah, no. No, and I mean, it was all about Desmond Ritter, as you probably could imagine. I mean, his ability to lead the team down the stretch in close games is outstanding. 250 yards passing, two touchdowns. He did have an interception, but he averaged about seven seven to eight yards a pass. Not bad. And he just seemed to make plays to keep Cincinnati alive. Jerome Ford is beginning to find his rhythm, but I still need to see more, Brandon. Only eight carries for 34 yards and a touchdown. I need to see him carve out this role on, on, in the offense because Ritter cannot do this alone in conference play and Christian Anderson for army been spectacular all year, but he could not find a lot of room. The Cincinnati defense was out outstanding. He had 80 yards rushing, but and threw for 94, but he only averaged three yards per carry for army. That's, that's not very good. He had a costly interception as well. The Cincinnati defense man under 300 total yards allowed to army and held them to less than 200 yards rushing forced two turnovers, three for 13 on third downs and over two on fourth down. This Cincinnati defense is could be the reason they win the AAC. We know Memphis hasn't looked spectacular. They lost Kenneth Gainwell. UCF has a really, really good offense. That's going to be a battle between Cincinnati and them. But this Cincinnati team looked very impressive, Brandon. Um, but Army hosts Abilene Christian next week. Probably going to be a riveting game there. 
Cincinnati hosts USF next week in their AAC conference opener. That should be an interesting game. USF doesn't look great, though, so Cincinnati should pull out the win there. But we're going to move on to Brandon's second favorite team this weekend. And uh, the the second reason this weekend his heart was ripped out of his chest, and that's the Texas Longhorns escaping Lovick with a 63-56 to overtime win over Texas Tech. Brandon, how did Sam Ellinger and the Longhorns pull this one off? I honestly have no idea. Once again, I didn't. And the reason I didn't watch these games is because I was I was at Tiger Stadium this weekend, um, so I was I was kind of following along with this, you know, as the scores go up on the side of the stadium, and you know, between like like my friends bullying me over the result of the LSU game, we'll get that in a second. Um, <laughs> um, so I didn't get to see it. I mean, I saw the score and I kept seeing that Texas Tech was in it all game long, and and, and I guess my favorite thing from this game was. Uh, it, I guess it had to be Alan Bowman throwing up the horns down and then just getting beat. Like, like they were winning by what? It was like was it two scores with, with like, like three, three minutes, minutes left. left. Yeah, he throws yep. the horns down and then they get beat. So that's that's a tough look. I mean, you, you got to hate that for this kid. <laughs> the horns down curse lives on, man. West Virginia did it too with well, us still. Uh, Clyde, it's not good. Clyde Edwards Alaire did it. And, you know, that's won. true. I guess the first this season. I, I'm gonna say LSU's paying for it now. <laughs> I'm gonna say they might be glad they that that game got canceled. Um, how bad would your heart have been ripped out if y'all would have lost to Texas this year? I, Zach, I don't know. Uh, it's I would I would like to opt out of that question if possible. Okay, well you can opt out. Uh, once COVID ends, it's coming back to you. But okay. you know, Texas scores 21 unanswered in the final three minutes to overtime. They. You know, but Brandon, I want to talk about this. Can we please hold off on crowning Texas national championship contenders? Please. I mean, oh my God, I mean, please. It, Houston Baptist lost to Louisiana Tech 66 to 38 and was two points away from beating this Texas Tech team at home. And you're telling me this Texas Tech team was up 14 with three minutes left. And how about all the issues that, I mean, are we just going to overlook that Sam Ellinger, yes, played well down the stretch, but Third down issues, five for 16 on third down, Brandon. And they allowed Texas Tech to be 50% on third down conversions. Um, penalties, 10 for over 100 yards. Rushing, only four and a half yards per carry against a Texas Tech defense that allowed, what, 700 yards to Houston Baptist last week? Right. And listen, Ellinger, it does look great now. I mean, he ended with two, 262 passing yards, five touchdowns, but he had less than 150 yards passing, two touchdowns and an interception before those final three minutes show, uh, like came around. Did he show he could be clutch in the final minutes? Yes. The long course needed him to step up. He did. But let's talk about the Red Raiders shooting themselves in the foot repeatedly and giving this game to the Longhorns on a silver platter. I mean, Brandon, let's start with um, Alan Bowman's three interceptions that handed the Longhorns a stimulus check to keep them alive. How about the stupid miss onside kick catch that the Falcons would be proud of? How about the miss field goal, too? Because why not? I mean, the Longhorns were fortunate that this Texas Tech team played sloppy down the stretch. I have major, major questions about their potential. And yes, the Red Raiders' future is bright, but making that many mistakes against a top 10 team is never going to lead to a win. Right. No, I, it, it won't. And you know, the, the, obviously the three turnovers didn't help at all. And I, I feel like you're disqualified from throwing up the horns down. If you throw three interceptions, like before that, 
uh, should be automatically like take you out of contention for horns down uh, potential. Well, up. well, to be fair, he did throw the third one till overtime. Okay, well, okay, then two should disqualify you, Zach. Is yeah, that, is that something better? Any, okay. any, or how often? I think you can get away it, with it, one. <laughs> and why, why don't you just wait to throw it till after the game? How about that? How, how about before we give Texas any more momentum? Well, let's just wait. You could do it all after the game, but listen. I don't have much to say about this game. I was upset about it. I watched. I watched most of this game. Ellinger looked great um, late, but I just I, he just doesn't impress me during the game. The running game was weak. The O line wasn't great. The defense apparently wasn't great. You know, it was fifty six points to Texas Tech, but I don't think they're going to compete in the Big Twelve. Even though I guess no one in the Big Twelve might compete. We'll talk about that in just a little bit, but. Texas hosts in-state foe TCU next week. Another interesting game. Uh, Texas Tech travels to Manhattan to face the red-hot Kansas State team, who we'll talk about a little bit later today. But, Brandon, we're going to move to our Big 12 pick for the championship. Um, Oklahoma State pulls out a 27-13 to win over West Virginia. And, Brandon, I want to start this one off. I know you probably didn't get to watch this game because you were at LSU. But I can't believe that Chuba Hubbard might not be the best running back on this team. I, L- I tried to tell you last week that LD Brown d- deserves so much credit. I mean, he had over a hundred yards rushing a touchdown and averaged 9.4 yards per carry. He's only 30 yards behind Hubbard for the season and is averaging eight yards per carry for the entire season. I mean, he's showing how deep this offense really is. And after, uh, after Hubbard leaves Brandon, I don't think there's going to be a big drop off. And yes, Hubbard did get to a hundred yards, but he had, to, to, had double the carries of Brown, only had one late touchdown. I don't, Brent, he doesn't seem to have that explosion that made me crown him the best running back in the country last year. Whether that's, is he healthy? Is the O line healthy? Is it the inconsistency at quarterback? I'm not sure, but we're going to have to figure this out if they're going to win the Big 12. Well, yeah, and I feel like I feel like there's a little bit more to figure out too because this team didn't look great, like like by any means. I mean, uh, they looked great early. I mean, they were up uh, 17 to nothing in the first half. Right, but they they didn't finish strong. Zach and Shane Ellingsworth didn't look the, as good as I thought he could. Uh, I, I mean, he he only had 139 yards passing this game, and no inter, no touchdowns, one interception. I, I get it, you know, it's your first start at you know a, as a Division one quarterback, but man, it's, you something's got to give. He looked good last week, so I don't really know what's changed between then and now. Uh, I didn't think West Virginia was very good, so I don't think it's the opponent. I don't think it's the defense. Um, I don't know. But, yeah, I, I mean, L.D. Brown, let's go ahead and give him all the praise he deserves uh, because he looked incredible. Yeah. yeah it, go ahead. I mean, spe- speaking about Illingsworth, I mean, I watched some of this game. I had that multicast going, bro. I was all oh, over nice. the place with these games. But I know sick brag, but, I mean, he was accurate. He had se- over 71% completion percentage, Brandon. I mean, he only did, he only had 139 yards, in a, in a, and he also had an interception. But he had zero passes attempted, 10-plus yards on the left side of the field, Brandon. You want to know why? Why? Because guess where Tylen Wallace usually plays? Right side of the field. On the right side. <laughs> he is forcing it to Tylen Wallace repeatedly, man. I mean, it is... If if Tyler Wallace, wherever he lines up, that defense just needs to double him because that's where he's going. And you know he he's been elite outside the numbers. I mean, he was four five over a hundred yards, a hundred and nine passer rating in those two areas. But his pocket presence, Brandon, worries me. It, there's no escapability. He panics. He either takes a sack or fails to make a play or turns the ball over. 
I know it's true freshman growing pains. We saw it with Bo Nix last year. I mean, we've seen it with just countless true freshman quarterbacks. But I I have a lot of questions about this kid. I think he's a lot better than the other option. But until Spencer Sanders gets back, I think this team is going to be fighting tooth and nail to get wins week in and week out. Right, I agree. Um, I don't know, man. I I, I wanted Shane Ellingsworth to be or Ellingworth to be so much better than than he than he showed this weekend, and he just wasn't. I wanted Chuba Hubbard to be better too. I, I mean, not only did he not have that explosiveness uh, explosiveness that you talked about, Zach, but he had two fumbles this weekend. Mm-hmm. I get. I mean, Oklahoma State recovered both of them, but two fumbles is two fumbles. I mean, that ball security is just not there. No, it. <clears throat> I mean, Oklahoma State. Their defense played outstanding again, man. This is why I still think they're the best team in the Big 12. Five sacks, 11 tackles for loss, nine quarterback hurries. They're fast, physical, played in the backfield. Trey Sterling's becoming one of my favorite players in the country. Another huge game with nine tackles, a tackle for loss, a quarterback hurry. Brandon, this this defense is playing disciplined, fast, just really, really good football. They forced another two turnovers this weekend. You know, and yes – Doge and Letty Brown for West Virginia had great games. I mean, Brown had 104 yards rushing, but he only averaged four yards per carry. And as a team, they only averaged 1.6 yards per carry. This Oklahoma State defense looks legit. I think it might be the best defense in the Big 12 right now. I, I don't have any faith in Texas's. Oklahoma's wasn't great. Baylor didn't look great yesterday. Yeah. So I think Oklahoma State has a clear path here. They got to fix some holes. Chuba Hubbard's got to rediscover who he is. But if once Spencer Sanders gets back healthy, I think this team could really, really be in contention for this Big 12 championship. Yeah, I agree. Hey, Zach, before we end this uh, uh, this matchup, I'd, li- I'd like you to do something for our listeners. And we did it last week. There was an introduction. We're back at it again this week. Can you name uh, the Oklahoma State player who led their team in total tackles? No, I cannot. I, I didn't even mention him just for that reason. <laughs> Zach Zach took him out of his notes so he didn't have to mention him. I can't pronounce it either. If you don't know what we're talking about, go ahead and look it up. Uh, his first name's Amen, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I can say that, but that, there was no chance um, on that one. I'll just call him I'll just call him Amen O. He had a great game. Oh, no. I Yeah, he he did have a great game. He what 13 tackles, I believe, uh, off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah, just outstanding. He's all over the place. He's probably right up there with Trey Sterling for one of the best defensive players. But, Brandon, Oklahoma State heads to Lawrence next weekend to take on the Kansas Jayhawks, while West Virginia has a huge matchup with Baylor next weekend. Um, I'm really interested to see that matchup because Baylor didn't look spectacular either. So that one should be real, real fun to watch. But, guys, we're going to move on to our first rank rank versus rank matchup of the weekend with Louisville at Pitt. Pitt – squeaked out a 23-20 win. I say squeak sarcastically because this game should have been 45 to nothing. Um, and this game was all about Pitt's defense showing up and showing out while Mikael Cunningham shrunk in the moment once again. So, Brandon, your thoughts on this game? Um, first and foremost, I'd like to uh, give Pitt a big shout-out for, for the turnover dunks that they do. They do that on the sidelines. That's pretty sick. It's amazing. I mean, it's one it's of the best celebration of college football. Yeah, uh, wow, you're going to go ahead and crown them? Yeah, we're crowning them, bro. Because it's so basic to have a prop, like a chain or a trash can if you're Tennessee or whatever you want to do. Uh, or, I don't know, Austin P, the top hat and everything, that's pretty legit. But, um, you know, I think we're going to, I think I'm going to say that is one of the most creative and just 
awesome celebrations ever because it gets everyone involved. You get to dunk, you get to custom, like you get to, I guess, customize what you want to do with the chain. You just get to put it on and make stupid faces at the camera. Yeah. Um, hey, okay. So I don't want to say anything bad about Malik Cunningham. Do we? Do we oh, know I what am. happened? Do, I we, am. do we know what happened to him? He's hurt. Do we know what happened? Um, I haven't got an update on it. Um, I don't know if he's going to play next week. Um, uh, I, I believe he just, I remember he, when he left the game, he wasn't playing good in the first place. So I, I don't think that played a big role, but I haven't heard an update on his condition yet. But if he's out, mark me down as Louisville not playing is not going to be very, very good. No, not at all. And, and, you know, he was their only quarterback. Uh, well, their only passing quarterback in this game. So I, I mean, I believe he got hurt late in the game. Anyway, yeah, it, he did. regardless, um, not a great performance out of him. Uh, 107 yards passing, and then you're like, well, he's also one of those dual threat guys. He uses his legs. Well, you'd be surprised. Three yards rushing. So not not good, not a great showing out of Malik Cunningham whatsoever this weekend. The only reason that this offense is really on the board, you, you have to give, I guess you have to give credit where credit's due. Javon Hawking's very fast, 2-2 Atwell, great receiver. Other than that, this Louisville team, I don't have a lot. Of, I don't have a lot of good things to say about them. It's garbage. It's it's absolute garbage. Listen, I I know he got hurt, but Mikael Cunningham deserves all the blame here. It, it does. Um, he played. He's played small all year, Brandon. It shocked me. He was supposed to be the next big thing. People were saying he could compete for the Heisman. That is blasphemy. That's ridiculous. Forty-two percent completion percentage, Brandon. One hundred and seven yards, a touchdown, and three interceptions. Are you kidding me? Right. Uh, this game was an indictment on whether he could be a face of a franchise or not. He he has some of the best weapons in the ACC, and he's putting up numbers like this. Yeah, uh, it's it's outrageous. But listen, this was more about Pitt's defense. I think Paris Ford another elite performance, six more tackles, consistently being in the right spot. Patrick Jones the second was the MVP, three sacks, three tackles for loss, another quarterback hurry, and Brandon. I'm going to change my tune here. I think Kenny Pickett played one of his best games of his career, in my opinion. Which, which is bananas because he had three. Or, well, I'm sorry, he, he had two turnovers and three fumbles. So, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, I thought he played good outside. I mean, outside of those like few. Th- I mean, listen, I sit up late, watched a rerun of this game. And he won me over. I mean, I think his decision-making is improving, Brandon. I mean, his wide receivers still have to help him out. Another three-drop performance. That, I mean, they're setting records for drops out here in Pitt. I don't know if it's the stadium. I don't know if it's the gloves. Uh, wait, who's uh, the Nike sponsors Pitt, right? Uh, yes. Why aren't they getting some good gloves? What in the hell is happening up there in Pitt? It's not even cold yet. You can't catch? Yeah, I don't know. Come on, man. I would, Listen, also, like, I would also like to point out that uh, that Kenny Pickett may be a mobile quarterback. We don't know yet. Yeah, could be. I mean, he could be mobile like Joe Burrow is more mobile. <laughs> but, I mean, his ability, Brandon, 0 to 10 yards down the field, 12 for 15, 118 yards and two touchdowns, and averages a 100 passer rating across all these areas. Yeah, nice. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Listen, I want to see him push it down the field more, Brandon. I think he has the arm strength to do it. I think he has the experience to do it. I don't know if Pat Narduzzi is gonna like is gonna push the issue. I think he understands some limitations. I think he plays to pick its strengths, and I don't think there's like a real deep threat on this pit team at, at wide receiver. I mean, they do have some talent at wide receiver, but I don't think there's a true like Tutu Atwell, Jamar Chase type of just like someone who can burn the defense. 
Right. No, I, I, I don't, I don't know if there's that, uh, by any means, but, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, I'm just using like the two bet. Like, I mean, like a, uh, anybody with like high end speed, I don't see a lot of burners on this thing. No, I don't either. But, Brandon, this defense is going to be a problem for everybody. I mean, this Louisville offense was supposed to be one of the best in the country. One for 11 on third downs, 220, 223 total yards of offense, only 3.9 yards per rush, three turnovers. I think Pitt has proven all the doubters wrong. They can compete with just about any team in the ACC, and Louisville seems to be on track for the biggest disappointment in the country right now. I mean, Mikael Cunningham has regressed. Kenny Pickett is improving week in and week out. I think these two teams are in going in completely, completely different directions. I agree. I agree 100%. But Pitt hosts NC State next week, and really and truly, based on NC State's performance, could be looking at a 4-0 record for the first time in a long time. Louisville facing a reeling Georgia Tech team coming off another loss this weekend to Syracuse. This is that's going to be a matchup of who wants to finish last in the ACC. Brandon, we're moving on the two biggest games of the weekend for each of us. We're going to start with number twenty three Kentucky at number eight Auburn. Auburn pulls out the twenty nine to thirteen win. It's that time, guys. It's that time. I told Brandon it was coming, so he's not going to be caught off guard here. I need you to take these next one to three minutes to apologize to Mr. Bo Nix and for your endless uneducated disrespect to Mr. Nix. I'm I'm simply not going to do that, Zach. Uh, And and I'm not going to do it because I don't believe that, that Kentucky's defense is a good defense. Um, I, I I understand. I, I even, I even, I came out before anybody else in this, in this country on Twitter came out and said it. I renamed him No Picks. You know, he's no, he's no longer Bo Picks. He's No Picks. So you're welcome for that, Bo. Um, but 16 for 27, 233 yards doesn't ne- doesn't necessarily win me over, Zach. Um, how about the three touchdowns in the fourth where the ref called the kids knee down on the inch yard line, even though he definitely got in? Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, I'm. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know we were blaming referees, Zach. Um, he also had thirty four. Oh, <laughs> Well, we're gonna get we're gonna get to the referees in just a minute, so okay. you you can keep going ahead. It's all good. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna apologize. It's as simple as that. Uh, did mean, he look, so, did he look I, good? I, sure. Can I call you out real quick? Can I please just call you out? I, I was thinking about not doing it, but you know what? Like we're here to call <laughs> issues between us. Yes, we this. do. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we, yes, we absolutely do. Because Kentucky ranked ninth in the country in terms of defensive production returning, Brandon. Okay. Well, tell me, tell, me good? Which, tell me which one of, of, of Kentucky's defensive players had a good game this weekend. Um, I, I, I personally, I mean, I would say Jamar Watson had a decent game. Brandon Eccles had a pretty good game. Uh, Quandre three tackles. Yeah, he plays defensive end, bro. And like he, Bo Nix was getting rid of the ball. I mean, you gotta you gotta remember they held Auburn. Uh, it's in my nose somewhere. I, it, it was more about. Yeah, they had one quarterback hurry, but they held Auburn to what? Like, uh, I forgot how much yards they averaged rushing. It was what three yards per carry for Auburn. I'm just saying, man. Play, uh, hey, listen. If Auburn plays somebody other than Kentucky, and and Bo Nix has a good game, I already told you he's not Bo Picks anymore. So you should be happy at that. He's he's oh, Bo Picks. You're welcome. That, no you know that, that that game's coming next weekend, but we'll get to that in in you know next episode. But you know. 
Nick's 60% of his passes, 233 touchdowns, Brandon. Brandon, he graded above an 88, according to Pro Football Focus, in most of the zones, 10 to 20 yards downfield yesterday, combined with 7 for 10, 144, and two touchdowns. Right. 10 to 10 plus yards down the field. And he just seemed to be much more in control of the offense. He seemed much calmer in the pocket. You, you called him out last year for that. I called him out last year for that. I mean, his offense, I mean, Chad Morris in this offense made a huge difference. I mean, Brandon, the all, the young offensive line out in pass blocking did pretty well. One sack, four quarterback hurries, like you said. But the running backs, man, I mean, Shivers, Williams, Bigsby, this O-line didn't do enough. Three yards per carry. That's going to have to be better. But the true star of the game, Brandon, Seth Williams at wide receiver. I mean, six catches, 112 yards, two touchdowns. Eli Stove also had a touchdown catch. They both graded really high in pro football focus. And, Brandon, you can't tell me this this Kentucky team is going to be good. You, but you could tell inexperience and in a, in a lot of mistakes down the stretch really killed all the momentum. I mean, they had two turnovers in the red zone. Right. One from the yard line, which was taken back for a pick six, which got called back. I will, I'll talk about that in just a little bit. But, I mean, Auburn had zero turnovers. So when you have three and, and the team you play has zero, there's no way for you to win. Um, t- Terry Wilson, he just didn't make enough plays down the stretch. But I th- thought he showed some ability outside the pocket, had almost 50 yards rushing, 230 passing, touchdown interception. Uh I don't, I don't think, I mean, I feel like Kentucky, their offense fine played well, but the outside of their offense fine did it. The tight ends, wide receivers, running backs, when they were, when they had to step up and block, did not do as well. I mean, the Auburn linebackers and de- defensive backs played in the backfield consistently on those outside plays. Brandon, you know, you called me crazy when I said this Auburn linebacker unit was one of the best in the country. The three starting linebackers combined for almost 30 tackles, a sack and three and a half tackles for loss. Uh, the leading tackler was KJ Britt with 11. They look fast, physical. They do need to stay disciplined. They gave up a big play early. But Brandon, before I get to roasting the SEC officiating, any other thoughts on this game and um, what, what what went down in Jordan Hare this weekend? Would you like me to say something nice about Bo Nix? I would love it. I, he He's a good punter. I think he's very good at punting. Uh, I didn't think he had it in him, but he did. He had two great punts. Oh, he honestly might be the best punter in the SEC. That, that's outstanding punting. I mean, what, inside the five twice in yeah, the first dude. quarter? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, three touchdowns, two – you know, listen, Ray Guy award Bo Nix this year. I <laughs> want it to happen. Hashtag Ray Guy for Nix. But, Brandon, the pl- – the, the, I guess the sequence before halftime really pissed me off. I don't know if you saw this or not because you were at the LSU game um, where Kentucky thought they had a touchdown. They said he didn't. They marked him at like the one. The next play, interception thrown by Terry Wilson, a 100-yard pick six, called back for targeting on a block, and then they went into halftime. It was a whole thing, but makeup calls – by referees are the worst thing that has ever happened to sports. And Brandon, I, as two NBA fans too, they absolutely ruin the NBA sometimes. They do. They, um, they really, really do. And, and I don't get it. I mean, even the announcer said something about it. I mean, you mess up a call, right? You miss a call. You miss a foul on, on a drive by LeBron. You miss a call where Kentucky, you know, maybe should have got a touchdown or something like that. But then you're going to purposely mess up another play to make up for it. And I don't think it was equal, Brandon. Okay, so his knee was down. 
but supposedly they weren't reviewing if his knee was down, but I don't, I don't think that matters. I think if his knee was down, you can't call it a touchdown. Correct. That would mean that you would miss the call again on purpose. Yeah. So they, they called him down. They give you an extra yard, even though he went down at the three, I give you extra two yards. Then on the next play, you call a targeting call for a defenseless player who was facing the defender who blocked him. Yeah. And you get a kid ejected from the game to for a makeup call. It seems a little ridiculous. And, and was that was that that was in the first half though, right? Yeah, that was well, that was in God. the last three seconds. Well, good thing uh, it was, was the first half because if that was in the second yeah. half, I'd be even more mad. Oh yeah, I mean he. It was on the last play of the first half. He got it, and it was a defensive end who got ejected for targeting, blocking an offensive lineman who almost grabbed the cornerback running the right. ball back. And the kid, and he was running up the sideline. He turned and looked at the guy coming to block him, got laid out. It was a hard block. I, I got you. But targeting on a defenseless player when he was looking right at the blocker? Yeah, that's a little tough. That's tough. That's real tough. And I, and even if it would have went against Auburn, which I guess it kind of did because it took seven points off the board, like, why are we – and the targeting rule still needs to be – change that is the most ridiculous thing like i i I believe they can stay on the sidelines but what can we get some intent in here if if let's say oh accidentally the helmets collide are we going to kick a kid out of a game right yes it's uh sec officiating brandon you had a problem with it a lot last year well i guess we both did um i just i i can't believe that the sec officiating still hasn't fixed it but guys we're going to move on to the biggest game of the weekend here um you know, well, before Auburn ha- goes into their biggest game of the year, they have number four Georgia next week um, in Athens. That's going to be game day. It's their Absolutely. biggest game of the year? Right of right now, so far. Okay, yes. It's the only top ten matchup we've had so I, far. And I, Auburn, I, thought you, I thought you meant no, Auburn's no, no, no. biggest game of the season. No, like, no, okay. no. Just like the biggest matchup of, in the country so far. And Kentucky host, host Ole Miss in a big SEC matchup. That's going to determine a lot in the middle of the pack of the SEC, but – this is the moment we've all been waiting for, guys. And yes, I didn't tell Brandon before the show I moved this game back to the last game we're going to cover. Oh, it, I did think there was, I did not think there was a better game to end this segment on. Yes, Brandon was in Tiger Stadium for this amazing game, Mississippi State forty four thirty four upset. Brandon, I know you have frustrations. I know you have thoughts you've been holding in. You've been a good sport about this, but I know there's some demons deep inside of you. you got to release. So let those emotions out for all our listeners out there. What happened to your LSU Tigers, the one and done? 2019 champions. I don't know if you can say one and done if they've won three national championships <laughs> since 2000, but yeah, one and done. Yeah, ooh, no, oh, okay. So obviously, this wasn't this wasn't exactly the outcome that we all saw. It's not the outcome I saw. It's not the outcome Zach saw. It's the outcome that our friend Blake saw. But that's that's a whole different story. Facts. About. Facts. <laughs> he he roasted us yesterday about the, he has been picking Mississippi State for three weeks now. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I'm not, I, never mind. Shout out, Blake. Shout out, Blake. That's all I'll say. Um, oh, man. So, so during this game, this might be the quietest I've ever heard Tiger Stadium. I mean, I mean, the entire second half, you know, other than the times that, like, Eli Ricks had an interception that was really loud. But, I mean, besides that, you know, you're already at 25% capacity, and then, then LSU's not playing – well, yeah, I don't even think they played like I don't. I really don't think they played a good game whatsoever. Um, but I mean, I could. I looked over to my wife and I could just talk to her like I'm talking to the end of the microphone right now, and she could hear me. Uh, and that's just not something that should be able to happen in Tiger Stadium. 
and it's something that happened this weekend. Um, I don't know. It, it was almost like chilling, but I don't know. There, the chemistry didn't seem to be there for LSU's offense. Um, I, I don't. I, and I wanted to make this like a little bit of a disclaimer before I even start into any of my like actual. Uh, I don't even know what you would call it before analysis. I even talk about this game, man. Before my analysis. I'm not here to make excuses. I you know, obviously I'm on the team, so that I have no reason to make excuses. But I'm not here to make excuses. I'm not going to say, "Hey, the officiating sucked." I'm not going to say uh, LSU lost a lot of talent. I mean, that's all I'm reading online. But that's, I mean, who cares? This this year is this year, so let, let's focus on that. Um, so if it sounds like I'm making an excuse, I promise you, I'm not trying to. I'm just trying to give my best analysis. Uh, imagine yourself in my seat right now, trying to give this analysis if your team did something like this. So. Um, <laughs> it's it's tough, man. I promise. Um, Bro, this is like this is like a eulogy, where I'm about to cry. I need to get some tissues, know, dress I've, up real nice. I've had, sun, I've had sunglasses on all episodes, so people can't see me cry. But uh, no, no, uh, LSU's the, the chemistry on their offense just was not there. Obviously, losing Derek Stingley um, morning of, I guess he he started getting sick the night before the game, but it wasn't announced until like what three four hours before game time that he wasn't going to be yeah. playing. Yeah, uh, shout out to him by the way. I mean, hope you get better. I don't really know all of the all of the uh, details, but apparently he had some kind of allergic reaction. There's rumors that he was that he was having seizures in the hospital the night before the game. So I hope hope you recover well. Um, not like he listens, but I hope he recovers well. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, the biggest problem for me was, was the chemistry on the offense. Just it seemed to not be there whatsoever. Um, the defense, obviously, with the, with the loss of Stingley. I mean, they have Jacoby Stevens, uh, but they're really young. I mean, it's, it's a new team, and this might have been the worst possible year to not have a spring practice for, for this LSU team who lost so much to the draft. I mean, we see new players come in. Jabril Cox played an amazing game. Um, Jacoby Stevens had an amazing game. These corners, man, they're young, and they're getting burned on every single play. Uh, it's it's not like high school. You know, you can't go out there and, and lean on your athleticism to, to win these matchups. You have to, I mean, you have to play good quality SEC caliber football, and we just didn't see that. They're young, and, and I'm hoping that they can step it up throughout the year. Uh but I guess what I'll say is that this LSU team, it's, it's not the team they were last year. And I think they need to come to grips with that and, and try to find their own identity rather than leaning on, on the, the success of the previous season. Uh, I mean, Zach, what did you think of this game? I mean, seeing it on TV and seeing it in person are two totally different things. I mean, you probably got to see angles I didn't see. Um, what, what, what do you think the issues were for LSU? And, and where can you praise Mississippi State? Because I didn't even get into that. Mississippi State played an incredible game. But I, I, I'll, I'll get into that in just a minute. Yeah, I mean, so I've actually watched this game twice. I watched the rerun last night, um, too, just to make sure because like it was it was intense, man. Like I got caught up in the game. Like I mean, I, I think I was more hype in just into this game than even the Auburn game. It was it was that intense. I mean, KJ Costello. I mean, he has to be top three in Hosman votes right now, right? I mean, if it, after all the praise these experts gave to Sam Ellinger and Spencer Rattler for doing what they did against UTEP and Missouri State, KJ Costello goes into Tiger Stadium in his first SEC game against LSU in week one and does this. And he doesn't, I don't, I even saw accounts giving the MVP of the week to Sam Ellinger and other quarterbacks. I'm like, how is KJ Costello not a unanimous MVP of the weekend? Right. I mean, 620 yards passing, Brandon, 10 and a half yards per completion, five touchdowns, 
two interceptions, those were really bad. Those those interceptions were really bad. Jabril Cox and Eli Ricks were in great position, and he just forced those those passes. It, it was really really bad, especially the uh, Jabril Cox one. That was that was horrible. But Costello, he looked calm, he looked experienced, confident. I mean, even after the interception, Brandon, I know you were at the game. They 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 showed him on the camera right after he threw that interception to Ricks. He's laughing and joking and just hanging out on the sideline with his teammates. He didn't even care, right? He, like, and that's because Mike Leach doesn't chastise his quarterbacks for making mistakes. As long as you're putting the ball in position and pushing the ball down the field, he doesn't care. Throw five interceptions, but as long as you throw for seven hundred yards and five touchdowns, he doesn't care. I mean. Brandon, honestly, I've never seen a performance like this from anybody, especially in the SEC. And if this is what it comes to, Mississippi State is going to be a problem. It it is going to be a problem for most teams. But Brandon, you said you talked about Stingley a bit. I mean, the biggest weakness for LSU was Darren Evans. He was yeah, kind of oh thrust. Gosh, yes. He he was thrust into a role he wasn't ready for. Brandon, he was Evans was the worst graded defender against all the top four wide receivers from Mississippi State and graded out at a 32, according to Pro Football Focus. You know, and that's crazy because, um, and I, I don't know what it is uh, with, with LSU fans and the culture that surrounds it, because it's toxic. It, it really, really is, Zach. I mean, you know this. I know I, I feel, I know like, I feel like that's anyone, but you definitely know. I feel like that's SEC football in general, though. I feel like every SEC fan base is toxic. Well, because there's like the group of LSU fans that are sitting here blaming the loss on Miles Brennan somehow, and and I don't know how you do that. I'll get into that in a few minutes. But and then there's the other half that like actually watch the game and are like, oh yeah, let's let's put all the blame on Evans. Which, come on, I mean he he I guess he deserved it if anyone deserved it, but don't 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 go. I mean, do that to a college player who had a bad game. He, he's, I mean, he, he's a college student playing football for your favorite team, and you're going to sit there and put all this blame on him. I mean, you are you are going to chastise this kid on the internet. I mean, what kind of, I mean, what kind of person does that make you? Yeah, I mean, and Brandon, he allowed five catches, 113 yards, 22 yards per catch, and a touchdown, and all five catches went for first downs. No, I know. The kid, the kid played really bad, but listen, uh. Eli Ricks had to step up and, you know, he did have that one breakdown on the touchdown. Um, I believe it was second quarter, but he delivered. It was the highest graded DB, even over Jacoby Stevens in the game. And he only allowed two catches on five targets. One did go for a touchdown, like I said, but he did have a big interception. I, you know, my biggest thing is, Brandon, everyone focused on the Joes, the Joe Burrow loss, the Joe Brady loss, the Clyde Edwards Hilaire loss, et cetera. David Randall might have been the biggest loss for this program. In all actuality, he might have been the the thing that broke the camel's back. I mean, this defense gave up 50% on third downs. And, Brandon, this is going to break your heart. I don't know if you know this stat or not. This is real. I I noticed it in the second quarter. This defense gave up three touchdowns on third downs. Yep, I I absolutely did because Mississippi State, what do they convert, eight out of their 15 third downs? Yeah, yep, and – the it, it was third and nine, third and ten, and third and eleven, Brendan, and they all went for touchdowns. Yep. That and this defense was opportunistic. I talked uh, opportunistic. I talked about Cox and um and Ricks earlier, but Brandon, you could t- I, for me, it wasn't the same Dave Aranda, Dave Aranda physicality, speed, scheme, everything that I fell in love with at LSU because I love LSU's defensive intensity. I don't feel like it was there. 
I feel like, you know, Stingley was probably one of the leaders of this defense. He wasn't there. I, I just think it, it, everything added up. And I want to play a little game with you, Brandon. I was, we're just going to call it like Brandon's pie, like pie of blame. Oh, sounds you good. Get a, you get a 100% pie chart here. Dish out who deserves what blame. So it's going to sound really corny right here just because, I mean, I don't know. It, it just will. So I've got I've got 25% of the blame going on Stevens, being your 25% going on Bo Pelini, and 50% of that going on Coach O. Um, I don't think that either one of these coordinators had their, had their teams ready to, to play in this game uh, this weekend. You know, like I said, the chemistry obviously wasn't there. Burton's running around in the in the pocket for I mean because he can't get a block all day long. This defense looks they look intimidated they they look tired. As a matter of fact, I read an article this morning that said that LSU defenders were literally telling Mississippi State players that they were tired. So I don't know what that's about. Um, and Coach O, uh, I mean, he didn't get his players or his coordinators ready for this game. So that, that there's my blame. I'm not going to blame these these college athletes for for what they did this weekend. They're they're young. Most of this team is a lot of this team's inexperienced, and and they just fell short. I mean, what else can I say? Oh man, that's tough. I mean, I, if I didn't read that report, if that's true, that's an indictment on the culture that Koto's yeah. got going on right now. I mean, you cannot you. be telling opponents in a conference game that you're tired. Yeah, I'll, that, I'll send it to you. I promise. Yeah, that that is tough. But listen, guys, it's time for the person. It's time for Miles Brennan. And listen, I'll start this off by saying I think he has some bright spots, but there's a lot, a lot to fix moving forward, Brandon. I mean, his ability to throw deep and stretch the defense is there. And we saw that throughout the game, but his decision making on those deep throws is not there. I mean, he was three for eight, 117 yards, Brandon, two touchdowns, but two horrible interceptions. I mean, that one, he just missed the safety underneath. Right. Now, and hold on. on the, now, now, I'm going to need you to re- reread those stats because I think you're wrong. No, that no, this is just like 20-plus yards down the field. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, this isn't like his full stats. But, I mean, Brandon, in that one touchdown play or one to get him in the red zone, the safety under, I guess, like he guessed that it wasn't going to go as far and could have picked it off. It should have been picked. Um, it was in the second quarter. The safety just mistimed it, and it could have been picked. I mean, he's got to be better. He missed the safety on the definitely on the one interception, and then the other was just out of nowhere. His arm got hit, and it just right. ducked it. Into it went the secondary. straight to the to the safety, right? Yeah, it, it was terrible. But guys, fifty eight percent completion percentage, not great, but it was all right. Three hundred and forty five yards, three Pretty touchdowns, good. two interceptions. It's all okay. I, I don't think it was terrible. But Did Brandon, he, okay, where, Zach, tell me, tell me this: Did he play better or worse than you than you anticipated that he would? Did you think going into this week that he would have three hundred forty five yards passing? Okay. Can't I? Uh, I don't want to come off too critical. I mean, I, I think he played a little bit better than I thought, but I think the only reason he had those yards is because this Mississippi State defense is not good, and they got behind so quick that he had to throw. Right. No. And and, and look, I, and and I, you know, I'm coming off sounding like I'm defending this player as much as I can. I'm only doing this because I, like I said, <laughs> there's some toxicity among Tiger fans, and. And the first player they want to blame is Miles Brennan. And I just don't think that most of the blame, I mean, even, I don't think most of the blame whatsoever falls on him. No, uh, Brennan, I mean, my thing with Brennan is under pressure, he looked god awful. I mean, 
shook. He bailed. From, I mean, right, he bailed from a clean pocket. I know you messaged me about. It. He did it multiple times. There weren't even any pressure. They didn't blitz or anything, and he's just flying out. And it's not all on him. The O line failed him. They gave up seven sacks, Brandon. And under pressure, Brennan uh, Brennan dropped a forty percent completion percentage when he was under pressure. Brandon, a hundred and five yards, an interception. He did have one touchdown, but that that's the play where he hit hit the dude, and it really should have been an interception. It was the play where he just threw it up, and God forbid, and Eric, Eric Gilbert didn't grab it. Oh yeah, yeah. It, that that was, should not have been. That's not a good play on Brennan's part. That's a good play on Gilbert's part and a horrible play from the Mississippi State defense. You have to knock down or intercept duck passes like that, so especially I'm, in the red zone. I'm in this I'm in this group chat with, with a bunch of other LSU fans, right, um, from Twitter. And and so we're, I was sitting there right after that play. I said, I've never been more pissed off and excited in my life as soon as he threw that touchdown. I, I don't know. I mean, I wanted to be happy, but I was mad. I was so upset that he made that pass. Yeah, and I mean – the only positive player that I have anything positive to say this weekend about is Eric Gilbert. He was every bit really? of what LSU – I thought he played really, really well. I, I also believe he played really, really well, but he's the only player. What about Terrace Marshall? Yeah, he uh, – I mean, okay, so I, I'll give you that. Okay, I, I don't think there's anyone on the defense I'm going to give a lot of praise to. I mean, maybe Eli Ricks, but he – he, he had he was an up and down day. I mean, the only thing I have a problem with with this LSU offense is there should have been nobody on the field for Mississippi State who could hang with Terrence Marshall Jr. Right. And you're telling me he? I don't. I just don't think this offense made enough plays down the stretch. I really don't. Uh, and uh, Terrence Marshall Jr. Yeah, I guess I can give him some praise. But Brandon, the running backs is where I want to get to. Clyde Edwards Hilaire leaving doom this team. I mean, Chris Curry, Tyron Davis Price, John Emery. What in the hell is going on there? I think that's a little unfair. No, no, it's not. Only Curry Curry was the Curry was the only running back who averaged four yards per carry or more, Brandon. Okay. But they only had twenty seven carries this game. They passed the ball forty six times. And that is a recipe for disaster. But they didn't do anything in those carries. I don't know. I mean, they they all averaged over like four yards a carry. No, they didn't. Okay, only Curry. Had, yes, only five point two, and then three point nine for the other two. Zach. Okay, so okay against Mississippi State's defense, Brandon. Okay, and if you factor in sacks and everything else, the team as a whole averaged two point one yards per carry. Right. The the offensive line, I think, is LSU's biggest problem. I think the defense is going to be okay down the stretch. Miles Brennan is going to be okay. Those wide receivers are elite. Let's be honest. I think the offensive line is the biggest question mark right now after this weekend. That's my biggest yeah. takeaway. No, I is, agree. Can the offensive line gel together? Because, Brandon, I don't think there's a single defensive lineman from Mississippi State who's going to the NFL. No, not, probably not, not. None. What in the world is going to happen when Alabama comes rolling into town with their seven NFL potential first-round picks? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's a good question. We'll answer that later. But, Brandon, to end this segment, I feel like we got to talk about Mike Leach. I mean, he started with an absolute bang, and there were so many skeptics, um, me, myself, and you, and everyone else. I mean, everyone's like, man, this area is not going to work in the SEC. Well, oh, you know, oh crap! Yes, it can. I mean, are you kidding me? The D- DBs and linebackers against this Mississippi State team are going to have to play almost perfect because it doesn't matter if 
KJ Costello goes 0 for 10 in the first quarter. Mike Leach is going to have him throwing down the field every single play. And you, and you know what's crazy, Zach, is that, you know, if you look, if you were watching the game, you, you realized, oh, they aren't running Kylan Hill. Like, he only had seven touches. That's because he had eight receptions for 160. Yes. I mean, this kid, that, he had to be, he had to be in the equation somehow. And there he is. And that's, that's, that's the best, second best running back in the SEC in Mike Leach's system. Yeah, and I, I'm not surprised that's how they used him, to be completely honest with you. I, I was kind of like we talked about it in the preview. It, they had to get him the ball somehow. He's too good not to. But, Brandon, you know, LSU is the first, and I know it's rough, but I don't think they're the last victim of this team. I think this air raid offense is going to burn some teams. And, you know, honestly, Brandon, if I would have told you before the game, be honest, that LSU's defense would have five sacks, eight pass breakups, Two force fumbles, a touchdown, and two interceptions. How? What would what would your score prediction have been for that game? I don't know what it would have been, but I can tell you that whoever they're playing isn't scoring forty four. Exactly. The defense really put up some good stats. I, that's why I think it's going to be okay. The offensive line is the biggest worry for me. Mike Leach had a great game plan, and Bo Pelini. I think I, Brandon. I know it's early, but I think there are going to be some pissed off LSU Tiger fans that'll be. Good, they're going to be calling for his head if this happens again. Look, I'm pretty sure that that LSU fans have been calling for Bo Pelini's head since the last time he left. So I, I'm not surprised. <laughs> Brandon, here's a positive though. LSU moves on to face Vanderbilt next week, which could get ugly you, because LSU is going to be pissed off in that you, game. You you hope that's that's a. Uh, that's true. Hope that's the silver lining. You really have that, to hope that. That's true because we're going to talk about Vandy almost beating a top ten team um, in the next segment. But yeah, because you know, man, oh god, we have a whole other segment. Yeah, we do. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to be as long, but we're, we we got to cover some games. But guys, Mississippi State moves on to host Arkansas, who also had a pretty good weekend, I guess, if you're considering first halves. But guys, we're going to move on to our last segment here. We're going to get this wrapped up pretty quick. We are rolling here over an hour already for you guys but we're just going to call this one top 25 chaos yes we covered some of the biggest most hype games of week four but we have some games that have to be talked about here we had upsets close calls and i brandon i think we have some major question marks arise for some of the biggest contenders in the country let's go ahead start with the biggest upset of the weekend in norman oklahoma we had the kansas state wildcats overcoming a 21 point deficit brandon to upset the number three oklahoma sooners brandon what in the hell is happening in the big 10 this season i i don't know what to think i have no idea what to think uh because i thought kansas state was bad uh, and i thought oklahoma was good and now i don't know if kansas state's good and oklahoma's decent or or still good and Oklahoma State or uh, Kansas State's great or if Oklahoma's just bad I have no idea I have no idea what to think Zach or maybe this is like maybe this is like an Alabama Ole Miss in like 2014-2015 situation where this is just like this is Oklahoma's kryptonite I have no idea but someone's got to get something figured out in Norman because you can't you cannot go and lose to Kansas State for the second year in a row. No, especially after the and Brady, you want to make I'll make this worse for you. I know you were at LSU at, at the LSU game. Kansas State was missing seven starters. That's that's insane. COVID. Oh my gosh. I mean, they were under man Brandon, just the stats of this game don't even make sense. I mean, Oklahoma outgained them by 117 yards. They had 
18 more first downs. They won time of possession. They were up 35 to 14 with two minutes left in the third quarter. Yeah. That's and Kansas State scores 24 unanswered points. Right. Uh, it's just, and it really all stems. Okay. I know I was, I know everyone wants to crown him the next big thing. I know everyone wants to say that, oh, it's Oklahoma. They'll be okay. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. Guys, four turnovers against Kansas State. Right. That can not happen. I mean, Spencer Rattler, yes, I get it. He's really good. He has a big arm, he's explosive. He had three interceptions against a K State defense that was down two starters. And I promise you, an elite quarterback's not getting outscored 17 to nothing in the fourth quarter by Kansas State. No, he's not. He's got to get it figured out. I mean, I, and we know that he, or we hope he has it in him because we've seen this kid play before. Uh, shout out to Netflix for that. But man, come on. I mean, something, something has to give. Yeah. And I mean, Brandon, everyone's talking about, oh, well, Spencer Rattler, look at what he showed in these other plays. I mean, he threw an interception to end the game. Just completely overthrew a target over the middle of the field. How about Scholar Thompson throwing for three hundred and thirty-four yards and a touchdown? I mean, we knew he had that in him too. Uh, great. I mean, insane quarterback. I'm not sure exactly what happened last weekend, uh, but well, I mean, look. he had a good game against Arkansas State. This is like he had no help. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, I don't think I don't think you can blame Scholar Thompson for anything. Sure. Uh, you know, he outplayed Spencer Rattler getting no credit. Brandon, he hit 72% completion percentage. Also had three rushing touchdowns. Which is nuts. Absolutely. And Deuce Vaughn, he's 5'5", five, five, guys. And he had 129 yards receiving and 45 yards rushing and a touchdown. Crazy. And no one's talking about it. Because <laughs> it's Kansas Not, State. Nothing happens No one. There. And Brandon, I want to I want to ask you this. Okay, so we have we I think we have three contenders really and truly for the Big Twelve for the playoffs. We got Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and Texas. None of which have looked impressive. All of all of them could get upset any week now. I really this might be an overreaction. I know if Texas wins out, they're fine. Oklahoma State wins in, they're fine. Oklahoma wins out, they're probably fine. I think the Big 12 is the conference with the Pac-12 and Big 10 returning that will might get left out of this college football playoff. I mean, I could definitely see that. You know, I don't – I could see that if we don't see a rebound out of Oklahoma, if Oklahoma State doesn't start playing better because Oklahoma rebounded after they lost to Kansas State last season. You know, they ended up looking good for the rest of the season. Other than right. the two games against Baylor where, you know, they struggled, but that was against a really good Baylor team. Right. I mean, I'm just I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm worried. And the Big Twelve, I know, made a call down to Lubbock. If they had Texas lose yesterday, I think you could have wrapped up their playoff hopes. Because Oklahoma State, Oklahoma and Texas all still had to play. They beat up on each other. The two best teams out of those have to play again. Right. So and with Texas Tech and Kansas State beating these two teams, I think any week everyone on the Big Twelve is on upset alert. Baylor didn't look great against Kansas last night. I, I think this conference is going to be on the ropes. I think this was an amazing upset for K-State. Shout out to Chris Kleiman, man. Brandon, you know, I, the uh, the biggest takeaway for me is we see teams who get upset real big in week one, like a loss to Arkansas State. They just collapse. Like, okay, so 
yes, they could rebound and upset a team, dominate from whistle to whistle. But for a team to lose to Arkansas State, be down seven players, and be down 21 with a quarter left and still make a comeback on the road? Yeah. That I think that shows heart. That shows the culture, the discipline, everything that Chris Kleiman is building out there in K-State. I agree. Uh, a thousand percent, but guys, we're going to move on here. We're going to briefly cover these next three games. We're not going to break them down too much. We're just going to talk about some implications of things we saw. Brandon, let's start with the Georgia Bulldogs. I know the score says 37 to 10, guys. This was 7 to 5 Arkansas at halftime. Right. They should have been. Brandon, what is up with this Georgia offense, and do you have any confidence in their ability to rebound? Um, yes. I, unfortunately, I, I think that they will rebound. Um, I don't know, man. Um, the, I, obviously, I didn't watch this game either uh, just because I was, I was not at home. But, dude, it was one of those things where I, every single time I saw the score update, I was like, wow, yeah, I think Georgia might legitimately be, might get beat this game. At least for the first yeah. half, you know. The second half, obviously, they came back, and and you know the score didn't really indicate how the game actually was, right? No, because Arkansas had three, uh, I believe it was three turnovers in the second half that Georgia either returned for a touchdown on that play or scored like two plays later. They scored twenty-two unanswered um, in this in in the third quarter, and Dewan Mathis, man. For him to be what Kirby Smart thought was the best quarterback to play, and he gave you a QBR of nine, Brandon, against Arkansas. Nah, can't do that. Eight for, eight for 17, 55 yards in an interception. Felipe Franks looked actually pretty decent. He did have two late interceptions. That is what it is. But 200 yards, a touchdown. Georgia's, Georgia's got to get it figured out, Brandon. I mean, I know I'm an Auburn fan, so I'm trying not to be biased here. But if they play like this against Auburn, it's going to get ugly in Athens next Saturday. Yeah, absolutely it will. It is going to get bad. And, guys, this is why me and Brandon were so high on Florida, and anyone who critiqued us can shove it now because Georgia almost lost to Arkansas. So until we see anything else from the Georgia Bulldogs, leave us alone on that. I really want to get back to Instagram. I really, really do, and talk to those guys. (laughs) It's all good. But, guys, we're going to cover these next two games together. Um, You know, A&M, Brandon, escaping Vanderbilt at home with a 17-12 to win. Also a game where the halftime score, Brandon, was 7-5. to five. I don't know when's the last time that happened in college football, but I'm assuming it does not happen very often. And you had Tennessee escaping South Carolina with a 31-27 win in which, Brandon, South Carolina was going to get the ball back to go score with a go-ahead touchdown. They muffed the punt. With bananas. It's just insane. So your thoughts on A&M and Tennessee barely squeaking by, and I think A&M is the much, much bigger concern for me right now. No, I'm. I look. You can't just hardly squeak out a win against Vanderbilt and be okay. Tennessee. I think we all expected this out of Tennessee. They're Tennessee, you know, and they played South Carolina. I don't think South Carolina is just awful. Um, and I think a four point win over them, if you're Tennessee, I mean that's a division opponent. That's fine by me. Whatever we we can we can live with that. But to beat Vanderbilt by five points after losing after losing to them for like or not losing they I don't think they were ever down to Vanderbilt. Were no, they? they weren't. But it was a close game. The whole I mean, it was a three nothing final uh, like fourth quarter. So they, it was fourteen to twelve for almost the entire fourth quarter. 
Like, how do you give up a safety to Vanderbilt? I just, I'm trying to figure that. I've been trying to figure that out for like, I don't know, a while. It's it's a bad look, guys. I mean, Kellen Mond put up a 32 QBR, pretty good against Vandy. Yeah, Vandy guys, and he was not dynamic on the ground. I mean, I don't understand how we have any confidence in Texas A&M to compete for the West like this. They looked god awful this this game. Vandy looked a lot better, and Brandon. It doesn't help that they have they have to travel to Alabama next week to face the Crimson Tide. And then the week after they have to host Florida. And then guess what? They get to go to Starkville and get roasted by that air raid offense, man. They get three back to back to back, horrible, horrible matchups. I mean, A&M could be sitting at one and three. Yeah, no. And, and we, we would love to see that. I really, really would. Uh, I, I don't know, man. That's Jimbo Fisher. The hot seat's about to be yours right there next to Jim Harbaugh if you don't get this together. This is this is a little bit ridiculous. Listen, Tennessee, Brandon, you said we kind of expected it. Uh, they had a pick six interception that helped when they had a muff punt. South Carolina made a tough, tough run in the second half. Even you know tied the game at 21 at one point and 24 in the fourth quarter. Tennessee down the stretch made enough plays. Two turnovers for South Carolina, none for Tennessee really was the difference. But I think you could say the volunteers are going to be middle of the tier SEC for right now. Right. Absolutely. <coughs> we all good? But, <laughs> yeah, we, we coughing. We coughing out here. But, um, guys, it was an amazing week of college football. Um, we're going to wrap up this episode now. Give you guys like an hour and 20 minutes of content, man. We had to get to all these games. It was an outstanding, outstanding weekend of football. Social media, Instagram is at the underscore Blue Bloods. Facebook at the Blue Bloods pod. Um, was the Twitter at the underscore underscore Blue Bloods. Our YouTube channel, Blue Bloods CFB podcast. Go check out our website, bluebloodspod.com. Um, your boy coming out with some articles this week about this crazy weekend. We got some preview articles coming out. Stay tuned for that. So definitely go check out the website. Look out for that on all our social medias. We appreciate y'all tuning in. Available literally everywhere. College football is ramping up. So are the Blue Bloods. Announcements on live streams and other stuff coming soon. So tune in for all that stuff. But for right now, guys, we out.